0: made it to the end of the college football season, Sean Fitz, and even the equipment is tired. <laughs> We've had some technical difficulties this morning. We're a little bit late starting the show. Nate Bauer is going to be joining us once his internet issues have resolved, if they do resolve. Um, so we're going to be talking about a lot of different things today. Off season has started, so obviously fans are looking forward, but there's still a game to talk about and some things to recap from this past weekend, Black Friday, all that stuff. So the first thing is... How was your Thanksgiving, and uh, did you get your Christmas shopping done? I guess I have to ask you that after Black Friday.
1: Do you have to ask me that? I I, I <laughs> usually wait till the last minute, so I'll, I'm I'm further ahead than I usually am. But uh, we will get on that. Uh, the wife is very good at that. Um, a little less scatterbrained than I am, so like she's got this stuff on lock. So we're 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 good there. You're good. Good Thanksgiving. I uh, got to go down to the beach. Away games. I get to go away uh, to not Detroit, Michigan, um, but seemed like and it was enjoyable time an enjoyable time in in uh, in Detroit for Penn State. So, hopefully everybody that went out there and is viewing us, listening to us, consuming us uh had a good trip. But uh no, thanks for asking. It was good. I it just did not work out for the post game show, which I'm sure yeah. you and Nate uh enjoyed.
0: Yeah, it was fun. It's fun having Nate there. It's a different vibe from what we normally do. So, it was uh, he always uh has, it was a great yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, and I was I was I was so happy that we have uh we have Given people enough that they wanted to come back even after a 42 to nothing beat down at 11 or oh, 1045 at night is when the show started. We had a great crowd, so that was awesome. Um, what were your thoughts? Just kind of high level thoughts on how the season ended for Penn State? Uh, you know, kind of nutshelling those last two games after the change uh, at offense coordinator how do you how do you feel the season ended for Penn State?
1: Felt okay. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to change anybody's opinion of the season, but the way that Penn State was able to, you know, sort of uh, buck the trend of what they did against Ohio State and Michigan—obviously, the two-game seasons—what's everybody's going to write home about? But to go out on the road, uh, play in a, in an atmosphere that was, you know, different than their than they would have uh, had in East Lansing, um, but still just come through. Look, Michigan State—not a good team like that. Uh, Jonathan Smith has a job ahead of him because that is a team that didn't have a ton of talent didn't have any speed whatsoever which that that was probably the the shocking thing when you look at that tape is how much faster Penn State is and Penn State's a fast team but they're not like run circles around you know SEC stereotype type of speed team. So, uh, that was interesting, but, uh, the way that they got going, the way that they loosened up a little bit, you know, it, it really did remind me of Maryland, you know, that that was the situation where you clearly had the better team and you exerted the force and sort of stepped on the throat. And that's kind of what we've been hoping to see from Penn state in some of those games where you're playing inferior competition. So positives there. I was happy to see what, uh, what, uh, Ty Howell and and Jaywan Sider were able to put together, happy to see them spread the ball around, use some other guys that had sort of gone by the wayside and, and make the most out of the running game. So all in all, I mean, I'm sure there's stuff to complain about. You do a post-game show, which is always stuff to complain about. But uh, yeah. yeah, you, you got to feel good about how they went out, at least on a high note. And, and really, that's the thing. You get 12 of these a year, and 13 with the bowl game. Like, if you can't enjoy it, that's kind of on you.
0: Yeah, and, and that's kind of where we were uh, in the post-game and where we were to start this show is like, there wasn't a whole lot it, it the, the chat was active but after a certain point everyone felt good about the win and there wasn't anything to complain about um the the main thing that you've seen and this is where you you know if you're, if you're a comment moderator the only thing people have to say at this point is 10 and 2 season not good enough uh James Franklin not good enough and you know, there's only so there's only so many ways you can slice that apple. There's only so much conversation you can have about that. And you know, at a certain point, then it, it's just it's just opinion versus opinion. Uh, but I was going back to some of your comments uh, about how Michigan State and how they played. I was I don't want to say I was totally shocked, but I was pretty surprised that Penn State's played a lot of good defenses. If you go back and you look at the schedule, even if the team isn't good, the defense has been pretty good. Rutgers. Um, and I know that people are going to laugh at this, but Delaware was a good team. Like they were well coached. They were in position. They were just thoroughly outmatched physically, right? So you put up a lot of points on that team. Michigan State was not well coached. Their, Their players from a schematic standpoint didn't understand their assignment. And that led to Adisa Isaac getting free runs in the backfield. That led to Theo Johnson wide open down the football field. So the tweaks on offense worked, but also Michigan State from a... From a coaching perspective, I know you're battling, right? So you're at the end of the season. It's been what it was. At the same time, you know, it was not these players are put in a position to play fast, which is the comparative view of what you mentioned is Penn State was put in a position to play pretty fast because they simplified things on offense. Uh, Nate Bauer joining us here on the show. Nate, I want to right off the bat, I want to applaud you for your effort to get through whatever was going on with your with your technical stuff this morning and getting here. Appreciate that.
2: It's nothing. I, I think I'm on the uh, the Wi-Fi that is actually your Wi-Fi, but looks like Xfinity. Wi- you know what I mean? Like uh, the public Wi-Fi. Yeah. Uh, now. So what I'm saying is, is, you know, everything falls apart. It, it happens. It's it's one of those things.
0: I said but I made it, it made it through football season uh, and and just had to take a break this morning. Apparently.
1: Hey, it's of a course. long season, man. It's uh, everybody's that whole uh, 12 game season. So it's it's not a surprise. I actually had the same Internet issue. So I don't know if that was a state college thing or if that was a uh, uh, just an us thing, because I think we have the same because we got the same hot deal on it. So
2: it would it would make me feel a lot better if it was a an outage uh, at this exact time. But (laughs) also, I could just be dumb. I I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Listen,
0: having worked in State College and been in a building that constantly had the internet go out and the power, by the way, weirdly, all the time, like, I'm not surprised when someone's like, hey, my internet is working. I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, Stephen Light is here. He says, good morning, Penn State Faithful. Should be an interesting holiday season in prep for 2024. Yeah, lots of things are going to change for the Penn State offense, specifically from a personnel standpoint, from a player standpoint, all that stuff. And, of course, you know, what happens uh, outside of the predictable changes is always why we had our silly season sale yesterday, why you should join BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. But, Nate, we'll get to that in a second. I, I do want to get your-, your off-the-top thoughts about yeah. – how the season wrapped up for Penn state, the final couple games to 10 and two, how do you think everything went for the Nittany lions?
2: Everything's fixed. There will be no problems next year. They, awesome. they have resolved all of their issues and, uh, Jay one cider and Ty Howell should be the offensive coordinator and, uh, the quality of opponent had nothing to do with it. Sir, I'm a jerk. I'm a jerk. Uh, no, look, it's, it's, yeah, there there are some good signs there, right? I mean, I think that that the fact that Drew Aller had two of his best games of the season in the last four, right? Is is at least something trending toward toward positive, uh you know, for that that group on that side of the ball. Uh defensively, you know, still elite, still really, really good. Helps them that the Big Ten is. I mean, I think that there is probably more research to be done, but in my opinion, historically inept. Uh, right? Not I, I good mean, quarterbacks it, this year.
0: You know, I right. think just generally, they Luke Altmeyer and Talia Tungavaloa were the best quarterbacks they faced in non-Michigan-Ohio State situations, and that should tell you kind of the season. It,
2: it's, uh, it, it's funny, and I don't know if we're going to get into it later or um, if now is the time, but, you know, the Manny Diaz snub from the Broyles Award... Yeah. Uh, where Phil Parker from Iowa w- was included. And it's this its this strange existence where, uh, you know, Iowa does it on the west side of the conference and ha- had a great year. I mean, it, it, no one would argue that Iowa's defense wasn't excellent this year. But also, we know that Penn State's offense is not very good and they scored yeah. 31 points on that Iowa defense. Right. <laughs> right, like I mean there's a there's a one to one like we actually have an apples to apples comparison here where Manny Diaz and Penn State's defense put pitched a shutout against Iowa's very bad offense like 100% acknowledged, but also Penn State didn't have a great offense this year. We know that. Uh, and and they were still able to put up 31 against that Iowa defense. So, uh, y- you know, it's uh, a, f- a few intriguing weeks ahead uh, for Penn State football. This is this is where we get into, uh, y- you know, like fantasy football, right? This is this is all this is, all the, <laughs> this is the your transaction. roster building, yeah. Offseason this is, this stuff. This is transactional stuff uh, that's going to take place over the next really eight weeks with uh, y- you know the late signing period, but. Yeah, should should be uh, pretty interesting to see how this shakes out.
0: I know I'm going to say something that Fitz is going to go, I'm not surprised. But uh, when I play Madden, I just simulate the games and I do all the transactions and player development. That's the part I'm interested in is being the GM. So, yes, yeah, so the my favorite part of the year. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's, I mean, it's completely on brand. I also did the same thing when I had NCAA. Like when I was in college, yeah. it was like all the recruiting and uh, you know all the offseason stuff. That's the stuff that interests me. Yeah. Um, so, like, you're in good company there. I'll say that
0: okay all right I'm nerds glad I found, i'm glad i found one of those things where it's not like i'm not just off on my own being like hey i'm weird that's the end of the story there um i want to get back to the manny diaz conversation uh, because i think there's a lot of stuff that we can get to there from the Broyles award etc but the first thing i want to tell you is if you want to be good at defense uh use your hands do you have a center of a uh, football team that you want to have an edge on the football field defeating blocks the number one way to be good at football and every split second every moment of the game matters train like the best by training with the best mmafx is a hand fighting course taught by bruce lombard of lombard mma here in state college we told you about this over the last month or so that he's got a video course that he can send to you so you can teach your team these drills to make them better at football this is something that is incredibly important especially for specific positions receivers linebackers defensive lines defeating blocks the best way Uh, To be unblockable is to make the block irrelevant, not to just run through a dude, but to use your physical skills to become great at football. And this is something that he's taught a lot of different people. And, you know, I've been mentioning all of these things uh, on the show so far. But here are some of the things that he can do for you. Even if you don't want to do the video course, he can do one-on-one private hand fighting training here in State College. Hand speed training available for all ages and levels to get better at the fundamental building blocks of football. He can do team clinics as well. He's done team cl- cl- team clinics for Alabama, Florida, the New York Giants. And uh, we talk a lot about the defensive side of the ball, but one of the things that we got to see live is the offensive lineman training, which is very different. It's, it, This is the level of detail and nuance he goes into that you aren't doing the same things as a defensive lineman as you were doing as an offensive lineman. It's a different task. So he's got a different course for uh, offensive lineman, which is very boxing-based. So somebody who has a bunch of different Uh, techniques and understands a bunch of different disciplines in martial arts can understand which ones apply best to your position Uh, he works with the entire offensive line he works with denied Dennis Sutton so these are real world applications for Penn State football Um, a bunch of guys in the NFL one I want to highlight Daquan Jones worked with him he was having a standout season for the Bills and then of course got hurt Um, so you know that's that stinks but you know MMAFX.net before I get totally derailed. Bruce at uh, MMAFX.net. Those are the ways you can get in contact with him one more time. www.mmafx.net or Bruce at MMAFX.net. Thanks to Bruce for being a part of the BWI live show. I do want to come back to uh, you guys about the the Manny Diaz thing. Um, I don't think that there's a why really behind it in terms of why he wasn't on the list. Like maybe it's just as simple as Sharon Moore and Phil Parker. So you had too many Big Ten assistance on the list and for some reason, Iowa over Penn State. I, I don't I don't know. But Nate, you've been pretty positive about Manny Diaz coming back to Penn State. So I just curious. Whoa. I've never really asked you why you think like it's likely he could be back.
2: I don't know if I would characterize my words the way that you just did to uh, to steal from someone's phrasing. Uh, I think that it is more possible than the general sentiment is right in terms of my gauge of, of how fans feel about this. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's definitely more possible than that. I think that there are avenues to making being a defensive coordinator at Penn State a very, very appealing and enticing job, right? So, something that is uh, an excellent work environment, compensated fairly. Uh, and when I say fairly, I mean extremely well. Right to to be the the top paid defensive coordinator in the nation, perks, you name it. There's all kinds of stuff that you can do to make it uh, a very very appealing job. What is what is out there that I think that Manny Diaz knows. I don't know if it will guide him to his ultimate decision or not. But what I think he knows as a former head coach is that it's a lot more than just walking into a job and immediately having success. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when you're looking at offers, I I have zero doubt that he will get offers to be a head coach this off season that will happen, but from where (laughs) and with what support and if those things are good and appealing, obviously you take that job, you give it your shot and, and you go, uh, but I think more often than not you see you see coaches when it's their first opportunity to become a head coach. Yeah. They jump they jump right it it's what you've been fighting for your whole life and you say to yourself I'm the guy that can change this. The culture, right? I'm right. I'm the guy that can do it. I, this is terrible. I I don't want to say this but I'm going to say it. It happens with Penn State basketball all the time, right? Like I, I'm the it guy. Always
1: comes back to Penn State basketball. We know this. <laughs> it does.
2: It does. Uh, but but you know, guys convince themselves. They say, "Hey, this is this is the time where all of history becomes irrelevant, and we collectively make the change to become, uh, you know, a program that can compete." It is an uphill climb in a lot of places, and so. Yeah. For Manny Diaz, if you're if 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 you're James Franklin, if you're Penn State right now, your entire thing is, hey, uh, you have the opportunity to be picky, right? And and that does not occur for everyone. But if you have the opportunity to be picky, then be picky, be, right? Right. And be
0: discerning. this is the point you're making, right? Nate is Kevin in the chat says, isn't Duke interested in Manny? Sure, but Manny Diaz was the head coach at Miami which is a power 5 school with you know that has a history of being successful and is looking for support to win not necessarily just any head coaching job so duke probably not on manny's list i would
2: imagine but but also and importantly miami look to the outside miami looks so sexy right they've yep. got they've got billionaires throwing money cash at everybody whether or not that billionaire is still a billionaire today, I, I don't know. Whether any of the I money have... was real. <laughs> correct, <laughs> correct. But what I'm saying is, if you talk to people who have been at Miami, and I'm saying the university, I'm saying their athletic facilities, that infrastructure isn't the best. It, right. it is not as appealing as it would seem to be from the outside looking in. And so mm-hmm. if you if you know that, if you've had that experience, where you're Manny Diaz and you just got arguably a raw deal anyway over three years, but yeah. knew that you didn't have some of the things that you need to compete at that level. You, to me, that's a valuable experience for him uh, and one that I think serves Penn State fairly well in this mm-hmm. specific circumstance. That he, he will have more of an occasion and more of an opportunity to be picky about where uh, he ends up going.
0: Yeah, so I think that leads into the, the next thing I was curious about, and Fitz, just generally, I'm not asking you specifics, but have we seen all of the firings and movements that we expect, both from a, does Penn State want to wait a little bit longer to identify an offensive coordinator that maybe shakes free from a certain situation, or for for Manny, you know, here's an opportunity that wasn't there three weeks ago and suddenly there's an attractive school that maybe has some interest from him so like what's the timeline here when it references recruiting as well with the early signing period and when do teams typically try to make all these moves
1: yeah and and i don't know that it's necessarily with recruiting anymore that portal opens on the fourth and not just because you want to have you know an idea of what the roster looks like going to next season but also like you don't want to wait around and have to pick at scraps honestly so like that's why you know there's no timeline on this thing but like the fourth makes sense for a lot of reasons for not not for a ton of head coaching jobs but for you know the the, the ones that you're trying to fill to sort of sell a, a vision on offense if you will for Penn State so that one makes the most sense um you know in terms of like what's out there i mean there's there's not much i mean duke duke's a fine job like it's not yeah. i don't think it's i don't think we sit here and scoff at at, at what they offer, especially because the the last guy that they hired is now making, you know, bags with dollar signs on them from Texas A&M. Yeah, you know, he had a connection there, obviously, but like it, he went to he went to Duke to improve his standing and he certainly did that. So I think that you're going to see a lot of, um, you know, a lot of interest in that job because not just not because it's a, a great like breaking into the playoff, et cetera, job, but because it is a power five job, you know, that, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. So, so I would, I think you'd be wrong to write Manning off of this one, but okay. I, I don't know that it's necessarily the the best opportunity that he'll get. I see somebody mentioning Florida in 2025. I mean, that's something you got to do if you're in his situation. Is you got to map map out the next couple of years, see what might come available. Not just in uh, a sense of hey, it's back in Florida where he's you know his roots are and things like that, but also like you look at how these jobs line up. Billy Napier is an offensive guy, which means that's going to probably open it up for a a defensive guy to come in. And and you look at how these things go. Like, what was the job a couple of weeks ago? There, there was a job that opened up from, from a defensive guy. And somebody said, Indiana. man, it's like, you don't want to go back to back defensive guys because if yeah. you're firing a defensive guy, you don't want to, you know, your fan base is like just like exhausted from watching defensive football. You have to bring in something to spark and get to get the donors going, get the fans going and things like that. So you're looking offense, defense or offense, offense. I mean, it's not, it's not really fair to the defensive guys because yeah. you know, a lot of times they're really, really bright, you know, smart guys. Um, but at the same time, it's about appeasing those, uh, those uh, donors, appeasing the fans and everything like that. So, you know, that that's just a little bit more stacking the deck against Manny. Who's a, you know, a fantastic defensive coach, but at the same time, like, you know, you, you'd rather see points. We don't, we all rather see points, right?
0: You're straying way too close to the conversation about the Buffalo bills here. Please do we, we defensive coaches playing conservative, all that we don't need to have that conversation today, but absolutely right. And this is another situation where The offensive coordinator search for Penn State, I think, is also compounded because really good offensive coordinators, they become head coaches because points are sexy. TV loves points. Everyone loves scoring points. And also, I do think that what you're saying, and this is my observation of football is fundamentally true, that most it takes a rare defensive coach to be like, you know what? I don't hate my offense. I don't mistrust them. I don't think that they are the reason that my perfectly manicured defense isn't going to succeed. There's always that like we've got to make sure that the, the offense doesn't mess this up for the defense in a lot of defensive coaches, not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, so I think the next thing is uh, the next thing, because we've got an offensive coordinator search going on for Penn State. We have a bowl game, which is we're talking about that in the chat recruiting and the transfer portal all happening at the same time. So in a, in a situation where everything is a priority, Nate, what
2: takes priority here? Uh, hire uh, hire an offensive coordinator. That's that's number one. Do do that. Um, then the um, transfer portal for sure and recruiting. Right. So you're you're tying up the like. I I mean, just being honest, it it's and Fitz, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but aren't the first bowl practices run by like GAs? like early, early in bowl practice prep, uh, it, they're, they're very, uh, very developmental. Light.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's getting back into, um, you know, just getting back into the swing of things. It's almost like a, a second camp where you have to have those acclimation, uh, practices. Cause you, you know, you took a week off or so, and that, it takes some time to get back into it. They'll go out on the road recruiting on Friday. Um, I'm not sure what their, their practice schedule is. Like, I don't have that offhand, but like, they'll go out on the road and they'll, you know, check in with commits. They'll check in with uh, 2024s. They'll also stop by schools for 2025. So this is a situation, or this is a time when the calendar changes from the evaluation period, which was what they had all all uh, season. Where you go, you watch, and you you don't really talk to the kids to these visits. Where you have the in homes, where you have the opportunity to sit down with the kid, um, maybe watch some guys play basketball, and like actually interact with them and things like that. So it's just a you know it's a it's it's a way to turn that over. So that's that's really what they're looking for from a recruiting side. So yes, it is lighter in terms of what they need to do. They have those 15 bowl practices, but you think about it, there's no bowl opponent until Sunday. It's like there's nothing to accomplish in terms of a game planning thing. But yeah you have a ton of analysts, you have a ton of guys in the building working on that next week. And that's, that's really when you get into it.
0: Greg has this uh, comment here and he says, this is off topic, but I was surprised to learn that despite the inept offense against Ohio state and Michigan, uh, Penn state scored the fifth most points against Ohio state and third most against Michigan this year. So they, both of those teams also had good defenses. Um, the, the, the problem was the, you know, collapse of the offense that it had nothing. I think if, again, I keep watching these two teams and going, if Penn State had a competent offense, they were the most complete team of any of those that you saw when, even when those two teams went against each other uh, on Sunday, um, or excuse me, on Saturday, they, Penn State, there were elements of this team that were much better than either of those two.
2: If, if they had just had more first downs, right? Like just move the ball a little bit i think that it changes the perception of those games whether or not it's i mean look you you want more points there's no question about it but uh you know it just it just was not at the level that you need especially when the the defense is playing as well as it is and you're going three and out consistently on offense like that just that's dispiriting in yeah. in the minds of uh a lot of fans. I, I understand the frustration from those two games specifically uh and how they played out.
0: Uh I, I like think we've say, done the show before. <laughs> Jim and Margaret DeBarnedi. You need to wake up. You fell asleep on your keyboard. So by the way, I have a feeling Margaret has nothing to do with your YouTube channel, Jim. And that may be typecasting, but I just wanted to say, like, hey, wake up. Here it's the off season um with the with the offensive coordinator search i think you guys kind of put a a timeline on it just uh, in general this is something i think that uh want to bring this up right now nate you guys have done reporting on this over blueweight illustrated.com yeah give me a sales pitch of why people should go over there
2: uh come come check it out for sure we we had something on thanksgiving day that was um you know Concrete information, right? Uh, that that was that was something to report. I think that the problem is uh, this expectation, as though there's like something happening that's big, and it's just I don't know if that's the case, or that right? something but,
0: happens every day. There's a new update every day. When
2: well, you know, look the, the the problem the problem last week and until really Sunday of this week, Monday maybe is there was still a a football team playing football games for for Penn state. And so so James Franklin and his attention toward that, it doesn't mean that he wasn't, look, all of this stuff is stuff that he said, right? He, he has been open about the fact that there was a list and you, you try to have some conversations when you can, you, you try to feel these things out. You, You have a little bit of back and forth, but the full attention couldn't have been paid until Sunday, Monday of this week, and it's Tuesday, so <laughs> it's not. There's not a whole lot uh, to report past that at this exact moment. But Thursday, uh, you know, something that is still a, an active thread and an active hot board uh, that we have at the site, they're worth checking out for sure. There's there's some names on there that I would uh, be surprised if they are not involved in the uh, what I would describe as like advanced advanced conversations for the uh, offensive coordinator job
0: And if you want to go check all of that out, we've got a special offer just for YouTube members. Just for people who have been here. If you want to try it out, you know you love Blue White Illustrated. You love being here and talking with us. Use the promo code PSU1 so they know that you come from the YouTube channel. Because you get two months for a dollar, which is a great deal. Maybe you missed the Silly Season deal yesterday where you get the annual for 50% off. But this is a great deal. Two months is going to take you through December and January through the bowl game. Get you all this Really important stuff in recruiting as well. So PSU1 is the promo code. Fitz, I'm just going to lob this up to you. I don't really have a direct question, but the offensive coordinator search, you know, take this in any direction you want. What are your thoughts on it so far?
1: My thoughts on it so far? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I or just it's where it's going. Yeah, I mean, I think it's time to turn it up a little bit in terms of like, he's going to get out and Zoom and talk to these guys that that he's considering. And you, you have to consider all options. I mean, this is a situation where you, I don't think you you fixate on one guy and you just try and try and try and get your guy. Like this is a situation where you take into account what your personnel is, what your guys like. And when I say personnel, I don't just mean players. I mean, how does this guy fit into a staff that you have, you know, put together with some consistency. There are guys sticking around now a little bit longer. I know that, you know, nothing is ever in stone in terms of like staff movement and things like that. But this is a, this is a staff that I think works to go to together pretty well. And we saw that in the last couple of weeks. Like, I think that there's a lot to like about the way that they, as, as James Franklin said, collaborated with the, the offensive game plan. And it, you know, it seemed to work. So I think there's a lot to build on, you know, and it's an, it's not a quick fix. It's not something that they're going to get done overnight. And, uh, you know, we're going to see which direction it goes to. But again, that December 4th date is very important to me in terms of portal, because portal is like, that is the thing right now. It's it's going to be as wacky as it's ever been. And it's going to be fun. You know, if you if you approach it like that, if you approach it yeah. like the portal is the devil, then you know, I'm sorry, this is not a great time for you. But um, <laughs> if you if you like following like riveting storylines in December, which I do, um, then definitely check it out. Uh, Blue
0: Uh, have you looked at all yet at the transfer portal receiver list? I know there's been a couple of guys that have gone in. I don't know. It feels like last year there was a bigger push of players getting in before, like announcing their names before the portal was open. So I guess the lay of the land offensive coordinator, get that in place. And then obviously receiver to fix those issues that you talked about, it's not going to be fixed easy or quickly on the offensive side. It would be a big help if there was a veteran receiver that can play outside in the portal, So just generally the lay of the land, have you checked that out yet? And then kind of give a timeline for fans of when that information will come out so they know to check over at the site.
1: Yeah, I think that right now you're looking at meetings happening between coaches and players. Uh, So then the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday basically is when they're going to sit down with their players and they're going to decide what the next step is. There are guys who have one foot out the door, which I mean, it's not a situation where it's all that like, hidden or anything like that. But um, there, and there are guys that are really contemplating what's going on. The COVID year really messes everything up. Like this is, this is really where we stand. Nate put out something yesterday in terms of like guys that have a decision to make. And I do encourage you to check that out on BlueHeadIllustrated.com uh on the offensive side. And he's going to come with the defensive side at some point, but there are, there are guys that are truly in flux and, Some of that is for the bowl game. Some of that is for, uh, you know, 2024. Some of that is just in general. So it's just, uh, I think you're going to see a lot of that probably toward the end of the week um, is when we would start seeing those uh, those official announcements. Guys that are grad transfers, you know, guys that have already gotten their degree, if they want to leave, they can go anytime. Penn State hasn't had a coaching change. So a lot of the guys that you're seeing pop up from, uh, freaking Indiana got blasted yesterday in the portal. Yeah. Like the, I think there was like 15 guys that went in the portal from Indiana, Michigan state, uh, their windows still open Texas AM. So a lot of those guys are what you're seeing. And then on top of that, you've got uh, the FCS guys that are going to be able to go in uh, mostly as grad transfers. A lot of the Ivy League, I mean, and we keep going back there. A lot of the Ivy League is very interesting because they had that COVID year, but mm-hmm. in the Ivy League, there's no red shirting. So like everyone essentially, if they're good enough and they want to go somewhere else to play a final year like Alex Falcons did from Columbia, um, you know, you've got an opportunity to do so. So I think that's a very interesting wrinkle because there's some really good players in the Ivy League. I know people are like ready to turn their nose up at this because, you know, the, you know, Eric Wilson was not great. Hunter that hot and cold, uh, which I yeah. think he was still a pretty good player. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a situation where there is, you have to look at those guys and there are guys that have jumped in the portal from the Ivy league that I think can play at Penn state. Now you got to sit back and you've got to well, maybe not sit back, but you've got to evaluate these guys and you've got to know as much as you can about them. Because when that December 4th window comes around, You don't know if this Ivy League guy is going to be better than this guy that pops in from random school. You know, it's just it's a very interesting balance there. And I don't think it's a situation where you're trying to maybe use all your visits or send out offers like you like you are in recruiting. I think it's a it's a it's a it's a bit more of a balance with these guys because they want to get in there. They want to make quick decisions. The Ivy League kids obviously are smart, smarter than yeah. us. Um, so like they want to get in there and, and sort of get their spot before that uh, before that wave hits on the fourth because that's going to be that's going to be something, man. I, I I know it's been crazy in the past, but I think that this year just from talking to coaches across the country, they're expecting a lot more
0: so brace yourselves for the transfer portal coming up uh this is in the chat nate i wanted to ask you this question and by the way nate i think you're very smart too don't worry thank Uh, you yeah speak for yourself Fitz. (laughs) uh mike mike says can you talk about the franklin mike yursich relationship Odd to me that he keeps making digs at his offense. How long was there bad blood? And, you know, do you think that this is James Franklin bad blood the way he's been referencing this conversation?
2: No, no, I, I, I don't. I, I Look, there are realities of being competitors and you, you want to win. And so when there's disappointment attached to that, then um you know, certainly that can linger and there can be, but I don't think anybody would argue like Mike Yursich today would not argue that those performances were not disappointing. They were, they were offensively, they were disappointing. And so when you say digs, uh, yeah, they, they are, they are digs, right? The the things that he's saying about, 1 Sider and Ty Howell as positives are things that were absent, uh, in some cases in what Mike Yursich brought to the table, but mm-hmm. it's, it's not, uh, it's not comprehensive. It's not, it's not as though it's not as though if the tables were turned, James Franklin wouldn't say something about Ty Howell and j1 Sider, right? Like, it's not all perfect. It can't be all perfect. But I do think that there is, James Franklin has a way of trying to provide a window, however big or small it is, but try to provide a window into what took place or where there was disappointment or shortcomings without being destructive a horrible person. Yeah. Like without yeah. being, without being mean about it, you, you, right. It's not, it's not a, it's not a mean thing. It's just a Hey, you know, uh, the, the collaboration process is better with J one and Ty. What does that mean? It means before Mike probably had his, uh, foot on the scale, right. A little bit, a little bit more than James would have liked.
0: And this uh, is something Mike Yersich in, in the offseason talked about. This is something he said when we had a conversation with him in like June, where are the areas you're trying to get better? And he said, listening to people, he, he said it himself straight up. I you know, taking other ideas, taking myself out of it, not being so close to the uh, not being so close to the X's and the O's that I can't see uh, the value other people are providing. And, yeah. and I think that that's something that, you know, when you have that kind of comparison of, you know, these two things, Clearly, that didn't happen this year. An area of progress he wanted to uh, to make, he didn't quite make. One thing I want to get to, Nate, because I do want to get back to this conversation, but you need to make progress in your life as well, and that means money. Like, is as, as as hard as that is to say, you need to find a way to make more money to have more freedom in your life. That is the, that is the dirty secret behind all of this in life. And if you are uh, somebody who has... Um, the skills necessary to run a business somebody who's been in corporate america that understands business business structure you're not like me who just go a lot a lot of law through life you actually have hard skills maybe you should check out my perfect franchise Andy Ludicky, he is a franchise consultant who can help you find the right place to manage. If you're listening on uh, our podcast, 404-973-9901, it's up here on the screen. I'll give it to you one more time. 404-973-9901 or Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. doesn't matter where the economy is. My sister came over for Thanksgiving and she said, so how has the um, how has the recession been affecting you guys? And I'm like, the, I, I didn't know that was happening. Um, so that just goes to show you things you can learn when you're in business, but also most importantly, it doesn't matter if one section of the economy is regressing, there's always something moving. And that's something that Andy knows he's aware of. He studies these trends He can help you find those businesses and where they overlap with your skills. His services are hundred percent free here to help. If you have any questions, Andy at myperfectfranchise.net or check him out on the blue white illustrated message board when you become a member, cause you signed up, um, the, the offensive coordinator situation, the Mike Yurcich situation, I cut you off, Nate. You had something else you wanted to say about that conversation?
2: Uh, No, just briefly, they're fluid things, right? There, there's lots of stuff that James Franklin has said about Mike Yurcich over the past three weeks indirectly or subtly yep. that he would not be saying if Penn State had won either of the Ohio State or Michigan games, right? Mike Yurcich would have his job. I I have no doubt in saying that he would have his job. If Penn state had won either of those games, he might have his job. If Penn state had lost 35 to 34 in one of those games, (laughs) legitimately, Uh, they just were not offensive performances that you can live with. If this is where you're trying to go. And I I did a bunch, I wrote a column over the weekend, sign up for blue white illustrated, but I'm going to give away the, uh, the the game here. Mm Mm-hmm. Penn State Penn State is 21 and 0 over the last two seasons as a favorite. 21 and 0. So games that Penn State is favored in, they have to handle business, which is a departure in a lot of ways from prior years. They they had trip ups, they had slip ups uh against lesser teams. But the goal at this point for this program is no longer to avoid slip-ups against lesser teams. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The goal for this program is what's their record as an underdog. And as an underdog, it ain't good over the last two years. And that is, that is it. That is, that is what they're trying to fix. It hasn't been done yet, but uh, you know, certainly it's something that, I mean, legitimately, they've been an underdog in four games over the last two years and have lost all four. You got to win one
0: it's interesting how this uh all kind of crystallizes as we get further away from it when the emotion and the surprise and the shock of the breaking news happens and it's like yeah pe- somebody was saying uh, on on the message board like you know we we talked to mike yursich up i talked mike yursich up so much on this channel and it turns out he was garbage and it's like No, it's not that he was a garbage offensive coordinator. James Franklin has outlined things he wished were better. And Mike Yersich, by the way, one of the problems, he had too many plays. Like, he had too many ideas, which is some of the things we point out is like, hey, this would work if this is a really good concept. If, but, and all of those things that got in the way.
2: I said it before, and I I will actually double down on it. I think that Mm -hmm. Mike Yersich could be a great offensive coordinator for Penn State. If it had experienced receivers yeah. in mass and well, Drew Allen.
0: Go back and to Drew. As a senior. <laughs> they had they had a an explosive passing offense with Jahan Dotson, a guy who could get it done down the field. They just never could marry the run and the pass game and everything together at the same time. And that's a problem when you can't adapt. Fitz, uh let's move on. Last couple minutes here on the show. I we have tell you that,
1: I was gonna tell you that everybody sucked and they should fire them all. I mean, that's, oh, that's kind of where we're at with that. Yeah, so <laughs> My but, okay, man. let's move on. That's fine.
0: Um. Yeah, you know, not getting it done. Uh, I, I've had enough just, of you know, that. Just, just, just Honestly, go. Just, I, just it, go. <laughs> just go. <laughs> you got me derailed. Uh. Biggest surprise, you think. Let's transition to the conversation about the players on the roster because the Penn State offense probably will look very different next year given the number of players that can go to the NFL and the number of players that will maybe not be on the roster. So... Again, we referenced this. Nate Bauer wrote a great article, bluewhiteillustrated.com, about guys who have decisions to make. Go check out the full list. We're just going to pull some names that we think are interesting, given the, some superlatives I'm going to throw out. So Fitz, I'm com- coming to you first. Biggest surprise that you think will go early to the NFL draft You know, from the guys that have a decision to make?
1: I don't know that there really is a surprise. I mean, last year, I think Parker was a surprise. But like this year there are guys on that line that, and it's tough because like some guys have like a decision to make, but also not a decision to make, like because of the COVID year, like there's the the guys that are seniors that would typically move on, you know, might have a decision to make to come back. Like, but I don't really look at this roster. I mean, I mean, Olu makes sense. Like, but Mm -hmm. that's not a surprise. Chop makes sense. Not a surprise. Kalen King makes sense. Not a surprise. Probably more of a surprise than we thought coming into the season. So that's, that's the way that I would go with it. Um, You know, like, it's a situation where like Curtis Jacobs come back. He's not coming back. Like that's, it that right. doesn't make any sense for him to do so. So like that, I don't think that there's really looking at this entire like top to bottom list and say that there would be a surprise of a guy that would go early.
0: Uh, Nate, do you have an opinion on that? You put the list together. Anybody that when you were writing it up, you said, mm, I don't know. They had
2: maybe a good enough season, but maybe not. I think that um, two, two things stood out to me. And I think that we can all say this, right. Sean Clifford coming back for a sixth year was a surprise, right? That that was not something that everyone expected. When that happened, it was mm-hmm. a surprise. I think there will be some of that, right? To to coming back, right? To mm-hmm. to got to that that has been where Penn State has had success. Hunter Norzad coming back for this season, he didn't have to do that, right? There there are guys that could have gone, uh, that that haven't, and I think that that is a place Penn state is like sneaky good at is making the pitch. Hey, it is, it is more valuable for you to come back here for an extra year, whether that's mm-hmm. you've already played four and get the bonus year, what, what, what have you, but they can make that pitch and make it appealing enough from an NIL standpoint, a belief in what the, trajectory of the program is that you can win, right? You can, you can make that an appealing pitch and Penn state has done a pretty good job of that. So that's where I would say the surprises lie because the, the converse to it is, and I might be wrong about this, but I don't think I am. It's very confusing the way that Penn state has their roster. Not everybody is a true reflection based on the COVID year. The COVID year messes everything up. Uh, Penn state. Has no true juniors offensively. <laughs> That's interesting. Think about it, Fitz. Huh. I, I, they have. N- I, I
1: can't. <laughs>
2: they have. They have no true juniors. They have a bunch of redshirt sophomores, right? They have no true junior. There's nobody who start who began their career in 2021 yeah. and played that year. On the offensive side of the ball. Huh. I'm gonna bring up a guy that I think is interesting
0: in this conversation of guys that could stay or go. Uh the tight ends both I think have an interesting decision to make Theo Johnson more so a decidedly go guy. But Tyler Warren. Valuable, as Nate just said, the pitch for him to return, be the number one tight end of the offense. Look at what that did for Brenton Strange. But also, tight ends aren't necessarily a stat position. So 295 yards receiving this year, seven touchdowns. The way he played, not consistent, by the way, in terms of drops or blocking. But as a multidimensional threat that can do all those things, that can catch the football, can be that guy, he might say, I want to go now and be, you know, a third, fourth round pick, or he could decide, you know, I want to come back. I want to make sure that that is something I solidify as what Breton Strange did. Um, Next question, Nate, uh, can you give me an answer of somebody that you think has the option to return that would be a surprise to return? You mentioned there are guys. Is there somebody that stands out in your mind?
2: Caden Wallace, Keondra Lambert-Smith, and Sal Wormley.
0: Sal's the one I'm interested in. All That's three of I think them it's super are super interesting.
2: I just think, I think that for, for K, like Caden is probably the most interesting to me, just given the yeah. situation that you have a tackle and yeah. what you're going to have to look for in the transfer portal. If you know that you're looking for a tackle in the transfer portal and you already have Caden on your roster and there's an op like, the, and I have no idea. Like I'm not, I'm not sitting here projecting for Caden where he's mm-hmm. at in that decision. Maybe it is a no brainer for him. A lot of times. And, and I've said this before, but, uh, for these, for these guys where you're asking them to take advantage of the bonus COVID year, Mm -hmm. like they just don't want to be in college
1: anymore. Right. Yeah. Fitz Uh, jump in
0: here. You look like you had something to say. I mean,
1: it's day three guys and early priority free agents. You, you can figure out a way And Michigan did this extremely well, where they had their fund for basically what was it, Nate, the one more year fund. Correct. (laughs) Where you can identify these players that can make you a contender next year that may be a third day draft pick, maybe a priority free agent. You make it, you know, so that they're compensated on a level that's, you know, good enough. And then maybe they improve their draft stock or maybe, maybe their draft stock's not going to improve. Maybe they understand that, you know, they're not an NFL like guy like, Mm -hmm. and, and that's fine because you can be a priority free agent, never play a snap in the NFL. Like that's that, you know, that's kind of how that stuff works out. So those guys that are day three guys that are priority free agents, you, you want them back on your roster, Think about this. If you have NIL, like Deion Barnes doesn't go pro. Kevin Givens doesn't go pro. Like yeah. those guys that are those borderline guys that make you a very good football Like Kevin Gibbons would have gone a heck of a long way. And, and, and it's awesome that he is stuck and he has had a nice little career in the NFL. But yeah. like he could have stayed, he could have got paid, and he could have got drafted the next year. That's the appeal for these guys to, to bring them back.
0: Yeah, I, that's a great point that uh, NIL has gotten to the point where it can – influence those decisions because Caden wallace i think had a good enough year to go to the nfl but fundamentally not a tackle in the nfl most likely a guard how does the nfl view him what systems what positions does he fit and does he you know want to come back and and make that decision is he the guy because this is the other thing looking at the list and the priorities and you mentioned tackle is he the biggest win for Penn State if he returns? Because I'm, I'm I'm struggling to find somebody else that would be a bigger win for Penn State, given the rarity of the position and the play that they put forward uh, this past season. Fitz is, is. Am I on with that, or do you have another guy in mind?
1: No, I think given what is back there, like offensive tackle is a priority for Penn State in the portal because like that's a position that's very thin, and the guys that you have coming in, great, are not going to be ready for. Two or three years. So like you've got a situation where if you want to win now, like that is a situation where you're bringing back Caden Wallace is probably better than you're going to do in the portal. And, and, you know, like there's, he's a known commodity to Penn state. They know exactly what he is. Um, They know, they know what he isn't. They don't know that about the kid that's going to transfer in from Yale or, you know, like the, the guy, Johnny Cornelius from, from Rhode Island last year. You, you just don't know until you get them on campus, until you get them accustomed to that. And we saw, I mean, we like, it's a different position, but you saw that with Dante Cephas, you thought Dante Cephas could come in and step in and hopefully, you know, be a guy right away. And that wasn't the case. And some guys are ready. Some guys are not. And, and you don't know it until you get here. And and sometimes it's too late.
0: It is. it, It just, it hit me. And that was such a great point you guys made about the NIL changing some of these decisions, because to me, it's an automatic go. It's still in my head. Like if you're close enough, You're going to make money. So go. And like, you, you are good enough to play. You are good enough to compete, to be on a roster and you can start to make money off of this. But now what's, what's funny
1: is like the, the original conversations that I had with people at Penn state is Sean Clifford was the, like the poster boy for this. Like they're like, you know, he's, he's, he's not an NFL quarterback, but he can come back and and get paid. Like that's how that, that can work. He can make money through football, like not, not to pay for play, but through football and now all of a sudden he's a fifth round pick and a backup with the Packers. So awesome for Clifford. And by the way, like, did you see that thing last week about the, uh, it was on Thanksgiving where they were picking um, uh, the winner of the Packers Lions game and everybody was picking the Lions, but all the Penn State players were picking the Packers because of Clifford. Like that dude is incredibly well-respected. Definitely. I just wanted to bring that up because, you know, he doesn't have the same sort of sentiment for for a lot of fans.
0: Yeah, for sure. Nate, uh, did you have something you wanted to add? looked like you were about to say something.
2: No, I was just, I was going to say that it it complicates even the, you you said Theo, and I think Theo does make sense, but also maybe not maybe, right. If, if you have an if you have an opportunity, if you are well-funded enough in NIL, which I'm not saying that Penn state is, Mm. but I think that they've taken strides towards being more competitive that even, even the realistically you're looking at being a practice squad kind of guy you can make more at Penn state. <laughs> you can, you can do better. And so if that's the case, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's a fascinating new dynamic that is, is going to be explored.
1: I, I you know, there, there's and, and and weird... it's gotta be a mutually beneficial agreement, you know, like that, right. I, that's the thing to remember here. You don't want to stunt
0: the growth of the young, just for example, you don't want to stunt the growth of the young tight ends. And you know, everyone's very excited about Andrew Rappleye. You've got uh, Jerry cross who's an awesome talent potential. Khalil Dinkins on the rise. You, you're not going to be asking everybody to come back, but at certain positions, absolutely. You can make some, some wins in the margins here where maybe you didn't before.
2: There is, there is a strange, uh, dynamic where you've got quarterback in recruiting, right? Th- these wild promises being made for NIL. So before they've taken a snap, it mm-hmm. is right. There's, there is the backside of this though, where college football teams understand it. I mean, I'm telling you this is universal and nobody's willing to accept it, but it's true. The older you are, the better you are. <laughs> Bottom line in yeah. college sports, the older you are, the better you are. <laughs> so if you have opportunities to bring back, I mean Caden Wallace, if if this is a sixth year for him or, or 50, right? Like 23, 24-year-old guys on the offensive line, it yeah. is a difference. It makes yep. a big like it makes a big deal. So it, you know, if you if you have those opportunities, Keandre, right? He was the ninth leading receiver, receiver in the Big Ten this year, right? He had a nice year. 50 50 some catches, 600 some yards. Is that enough to spring him in the NFL? I don't know. But if you can pair him again, and this was like the conversation all year, if you can pair him with Trey Wallace and somebody else that you bring in, maybe the dynamic shifts for him and what they actually wanted to do with him all preseason, what they prepared for all spring can actually come to fruition.
0: Putting guys in position to succeed. Right. And that's kind of, Julius is here in the chat and he says, compared to recent tight ends, Theo is mid question mark. And and that's a statement with a question mark at the end. As usual, Julius, um, I this is a this is a conversation of putting guys in position to succeed. And and I think it also muddies the water for somebody that I thought was an absolute go for Penn State in terms of what he could do with the NFL, what the NFL is looking for. Six, six, two, sixty four. As a tight end let's just roll back to 2022 and remember what he did in an injury shortened year he averaged 16.4 yards per completion he is a deep threat as a tight end is he the best blocker in the world no you would expect him to be a better blocker at 260 pounds but his skill set is vertically vertically attacking down the field And he didn't get a lot of opportunities to do that this year. You saw what happened in the final two games where they got the running backs and the tight ends involved in positive situations. So is he an obvious go based on the numbers? No, but the physical talent we've seen guys that had produced less go higher in the draft because they're freak shows. That's the NFL. Like, so it's just interesting because there are certain guys. And I think the tight ends specifically were, were two that you thought were going to be in a position to have the stats to back up, to have the public love To get you noticed, and then they kind of fell into the background, despite having almost 14 touchdowns between the two of them this year.
1: On top Um, of that, I I will say about Theo Penn—he was Penn State's best leader on offense this year, which mm -hmm. you don't see from a tight end. And it's a it you know it's another layer of issues that Penn State's offense had is the the leadership was not like where it needed to be, especially because it was so strong the year before. But if you can keep a leader like that around, like yeah. man that's a that would be a i, I we say mutually beneficial but I, it, penn state would benefit more i think from from theo coming back than than the the alternative for sure um
0: so that's what i got today i thought that that list nate was excellent it was interesting some of those decisions it's always muddy because it's a to a personal level and then what is the feedback they're getting from the nfl and not some just dude who yells on youtube uh but that 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 whole decision making process is going to change a lot of things here or there so some final thoughts here as we get out of the show uh Nate I was going to you sorry
2: I'll I'll have I'll have defense today so uh if you haven't subscribed already it it's it's not a I'm not making picks right I'm not projecting exactly how people are are going to decide or who Penn State will pursue but it is it is a good frame of reference for what what decisions are out there? Who has decisions to be made, right? Mm-hmm. And so when when you're looking at that offensive side of the ball, and can say distinctly that Hunter Norzad is the only one who doesn't have an option to return, right? On the offensive yeah. side of the ball, Hunter Norzad is the only one who doesn't have the option to return yet next year. Like that's interesting. And defensively, there's going to be some of that as well. So it uh, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting. Like I said, it's going to be an interesting next few weeks for Penn State.
0: Yeah, I'm the one that arm wrestles you into into giving uh, uh, some stay-or-go analysis here on the YouTube channel. So I both apologize and I don't apologize because I, f- I find that speculation, light speculation fun. Fitz, uh, final thoughts for you as we get out of no, the show.
1: I've got to go. So I uh, I'm, I'm, that's that's where I'm going. So All right. Uh, but no, thanks for everybody joining us. Check us out, BlueWiddleStore.com. There's a lot going on right now. It's, it's a fantastically chaotic season right now. So uh, check us out.
0: We will be back on Thursday. Uh, KSN show will be here Wednesday. We'll be back live talking recruiting on Thursday. Stay tuned to Blue White Illustrated here in the off season because it's not an off season. We just got different stuff to talk about. Talk to you then.